0: Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to The Health Simple Show. I'm your host, Kyle Reedhead, and I interview health and wellness experts from around the world to help you live healthy, happy, and stress-free. Enjoy the next show. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you're listening to this on iTunes and you enjoy the show, or you've enjoyed any of the other shows, it would be absolutely amazing if you could leave me a review and a rating on iTunes. This is what allows my show to get out there and in front of the ears of others around the world, so it would be super appreciated if you could do this. Thank you and enjoy. Today we have Sarah Ann Stewart on the show with us. She's a certified holistic health practitioner and runs a private coaching practice with a focus on permanent weight loss. So Sarah, thank you for, for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here and I just absolutely love the work that you're doing. So thank you again.
0: Thank you, I appreciate it. And we're, we're excited to, to learn from you today. Now you, you've become very involved in the wellness scene and you've been taking care of your body for some time now, but it wasn't, it wasn't always like that. So can you kind of talk about that and tell us a little bit about your story there?
1: Yeah, I would love to. So I um, I grew up in a really holistic environment as a child, so much so that when my father was diagnosed with the absolute heartbreaking news of terminal mm-hmm. cancer, he decided to not use Western medicine, but actually use alternative medicine to fight back. And within seven months, the cancer was completely gone. And Growing up in this world of food and nutrition and movement and decreasing stress and mindfulness and meditation, I was just shocked, like completely shocked that this wasn't an option that the doctors gave us. Like when we went in, it was very much the radiation chemotherapy surgery routes, right? There was no talk of nutrition or food or anything like that. And so I became obsessed with holistic health, like why aren't doctors talking about this? Why... Didn't anyone recommend this? Why do my cousins, you know, family, aunts, uncles know about this side of healing? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, though, I was scouted to model. So, on one hand, I had this really beautiful relationship with food, right? I would go home and my mom would be cooking these incredible meals. And then on the other hand, I was was struggling very much so in the modeling industry. And my relationship with food was actually taking my own life. And so after 10 years of mental programming and just hearing you need to lose more weight, you're not thin enough, you're never going to work, all the things that you hear in the modeling industry, um, I became so, so sick that I was basically told by a doctor, if you do not quit this industry, you're going to lose your life. Like, There's no Going back, the damage is done. Um, you really need to really need to figure it out and and find a different path and a different career. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, went down the route of traditional therapy. I I tried very hard to heal this relationship with my mind, and I knew that I had this basic understanding of nutrition from my father's experience, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go back and study more nutrition. So I kept studying holistic health. I kept studying these different models of nutrition, different diets, different things people were doing, ways they were healing themselves. But the one thing I didn't focus on was my mind. And so I was educating people about nutrition. I was talking about it all the time. I was you know, speaking about alkalinity and chronic inflammation, but yet in my own mind, I was having anxiety every time I walked by a mirror, every time I took a picture, every time someone was like, oh, I just put a picture of you up. I would... Panic because I'm like, what if I don't look great? What if, you know, Mm. what angle was it from? Like these crazy thoughts that had just basically been programmed for so many years. And so I had to find my way back. And I did that through meditation and mindfulness and hiring a coach and really looking at how was I programmed? What were these stories that were told? Why am I keeping these stories alive? How do I reprogram my subconscious? How do I basically take everything that I was taught, all the ways I was taught to suffer and shift it and reframe it into a place where I could mm-hmm. embrace my body, self-confidence, self-worth, self-esteem, um, and ultimately self-love, right? Yeah. And so it took me several years of studying the nutrition side, the movement side, the physical, the and then also the emotional and the spiritual side to basically integrate this model that we can't separate the mind from the body. It just isn't possible. We can heal the physical, and that does not mean that our emotions are healed. It does not mean that we're spiritually healed. It does not mean that we're being fulfilled from a creative, creative standpoint. And um, I really had to look at that and say, well, why, why am I only focused on the physical? Healing and health is all-encompassing. It's everything from our careers to our relationships to, you know, our home environment. And and I really had to deconstruct everything and then put everything back together and say, I'm ready. To take this on full force and heal my life and um yeah it took several years and now that's what i teach i, I kind of took away the nutrition model although i still talk about it here and there but but i really focus on like how do we focus on what makes us feel good first and follow the feeling um which leads to why we want to be alive and really take care of ourselves
0: and that's it's incredible that you were able to to overcome that and, and for it to take that longer for you to still stick with it and, and keep trying new things is, I mean, that's what a health journey is, I guess, right? right? Is is continuing that process. But good for you um, mm-hmm. to yeah. be able to actually do that. That's, that's an amazing story. Now, I mean, you're not alone here. There's a lot of people in today's world that have, you know, food disorders and, and issues with food or issues with their body. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's such a common problem. Why do you think mm-hmm. that is?
1: so it 's so interesting, right? There is more nutrition information than ever before. Yeah. You can put in Google you know certain diet or how to get healthy, and you get literally millions of results yet currently the state of our um, of our country is far worse off than it 's ever been statistically, which is yeah. so heartbreaking and sad so What Americans are doing, first and foremost, we need to just address this idea that what we're doing is not working, right? For the most of us. Um, And this calories in versus calories out, the food pyramid, when we're looking at 36% of our country is obese, we're spending, you know, billions over $200 billion on medical costs um, for obesity, and millions and millions of people have eating disorders. It's like there is a disconnect happening, right? There is a serious disconnect. I am a strong component of. This idea and this movement that dieting is really not the answer, and that's the reason for it. Because if you look at the science and the research, dieting actually causes more anxiety, more irritability, lower self-esteem, stress, exhaustion—all the things that actually impacts us on a physical level—and we actually store more weight. Mm -hmm. And so, when people go on a diet and then the diet doesn't work, they go into this guilt and shame feeling which causes the binging to continue to occur and then they go on the next thing and they feel like a failure and we're not educating america on how to have a lifestyle of health and wellness we're educating them in quick fixes because the dieting industry is a billion dollar industry you know it's like they almost want us to be like to fail as sad as that sounds it's like it's a good thing if we fail because they'll buy the next diet right and so I'm really a component I think my community the people I the health coaches the the you know you the people that we are around are really advocating for this idea that like health is a lifestyle we have to look at every area of our life holistically we can't you know separate our mind and our body anymore and we have to say like how do we let go of the shame and guilt and embrace self love
0: Yeah completely I love that it's the holistic approach is really so important. I think a lot of people miss that. You know, they they go just for you know they they, they hit the gym and they think that's what they need to do to lose weight or to get healthy or they just start to change their diet. And and really, there's so much there's so much more to it. Would you say that was the key to kind of getting your health back and figuring out the issues that you had was was that holistic approach?
1: Yes. Yeah, so it's really interesting because I had so much knowledge under. My belt but i think too much knowledge almost is crippling to some extent or paralyzing that's probably yeah. a better word in that um i actually was writing a post today about like you can literally read all the books and know all the experts and try everything but if you don't actually tap into your own inner knowing and your intuition of what's good for you you're going to continue to look outside yourself and we have to change this model of the leadership we have to change the model from trusting everyone else to trusting ourselves. And I'm completely not, uh, you know, I'm not saying do not do the research because the research is great, right? There's more information than ever before in terms of what actually works for our bodies. The problem is, is that from a nutrition side, you can prove multiple theories correct. Mm -hmm. So scientifically, right, what works for someone doesn't necessarily work for someone else. And when we get very stuck in that model that my girlfriend's doing this and it didn't work for me we again go into shame and guilt and fear that we're never going to find something and so what i love to do with my clients is think of our bodies as this beautiful experiment and when we figure out gluten doesn't work for us instead of being angry that we can't eat pizza anymore be grateful that our body has spoken to us and that it's telling us this doesn't make me feel good i want to feel more alive i want to have energy i want to carry you through this world and create that relationship with your body instead of anger and frustration and oh my gosh this makes me feel bloated and this makes me feel sick but yet i'm going to continue to put this stuff in me because i'm avoiding a certain feeling that i don't want to address and i think we just we have to we have to come back to mindfulness meditation intuition um I mean, I could talk about this all day, so I'm just gonna keep rambling until you <laughs> cut me off.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna let you keep rambling because I, I enjoy it. But why don't you talk about meditation a little bit, a little yeah. bit more? I mean, it seems like this is an area that um, you know you've really focused on, and I know it's something you use a lot with your clients. So, mm-hmm. talk about how meditation has maybe changed your life, but also changed yeah. some of your your clients' lives as well.
1: Yeah. So, I think meditation by far is the greatest wellness hack. I really do. I think. We hear it all the time. People are like, oh, it's a little woo-woo. And it's becoming more mainstream as we are seeing the research and we can really back up the research and the science with what's actually happening on a physical level, right? So when we see things like people that are meditating are having better heart health, their hormones are regulating, their immunity increases, they're decreasing inflammation. When we see those sort of things like gene expression changing because of meditation, more people are open to it. But I think when it comes to actually your relationship with food, a lot of times meditation is overlooked. And what neuroscientists are now showing is that meditation and mindfulness actually rewires parts of your brain that positively impact things that are specific for weight loss. So, as you as we go back to what we were talking about earlier, our habits, our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions—these all impact our desire for different foods, right? Or like those craving feelings If I want to avoid a certain emotion or I want to grab something because it's gonna suppress a feeling because I am not allowing compassion to step in and, and feel that instead, or the uh, an awareness or a self-love feeling, I, I'm actually suppressing an emotion that's painful to me. And when we do that, Um, And we choose food. That's what causes the weight gain. And that's what causes us to feel bloated and not good in our physical bodies. Mm -hmm. And so what's so incredible is that we're now seeing that meditation decreases loneliness. And when you're more hopeful... You're not going to be like alone at night eating right because you're like hopeful and you're not sad and lonely um it promotes happiness and when you increase your mood you actually take better care of yourself so when you're feeling good you know when you're feeling like oh i can do this i can conquer anything you're more likely to go do a workout or move or feel really you know feel really good and and the list goes on and on it decreases anxiety and depression and those two are huge impacts for emotional there, eating. There was a
0: stat that I had read too recently. I think it was that 70% of people who overeat do it because of emotional reasons. 70%. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you can just see the connection right there.
1: Yeah, because you're not you're not breathing, right? When we sit down, I, 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 I ask my clients, like, are you putting your fork down between each bite? Are you breathing? Are you blessing your food? Are you having a connection? and something i've found and there's so much research behind this but basically the fast food movement right so that that culturally we're so ingrained by fast food that we think we need something on the go and immediately and and the whole connection to our gardens and plants and the beautiful vibration and energy of which we're eating is gone and i think we really need to get back to that because that's what's going to cure the power. You know, that's what's going to cure the addictions. That's what's going to be powerful in changing our compassion um, for ourselves and the planet. And it's gonna. It does everything right. That that improves our relationship to our bodies. And and I've even found when people cook, when they when they are in their kitchens, everything changes, including their sleep, including you know because it's really like this creative inspirational energetic experience that that impacts every area of their life and and well, even it's like
0: a mindfulness practice yeah, itself right like Yes. It, it's that time to kind of spend with your own self and, and just do something that that you en- will hopefully you enjoy and, mm-hmm. and and make something you're creating something so i think that in itself is is a mindful practice
1: yeah and it really and and the beautiful thing about pre- meditation is it brings us to our presence, it brings us to the present moment. So we're so caught in this world of feeling guilt and shame around the past. And then because it's so hard to ask for forgiveness, there's this like no one talks anymore and so nothing's really being resolved. And then on the flip side, everyone's fighting to create more money, create more wealth, move higher in the social status and like I, there's nothing wrong with like striving and being an entrepreneur, I'm very type A, but we also need to recognize that that's taking us out of the presence and it's taking out us to the present moment. And then we're not chewing our food and there's no relationship to our food because we're on our phones and computers and doing work while we're eating. And I just think we have to go back to the basics because the basics is what keeps us healthy. It keeps us alive. It keeps us feeling energized. And the one thing I always say is like, when you have a purpose and a reason to be here and you really want to be alive, you are going to take care of your health. And we find that in the presence. Like we find that in the present moment of being alive in our body. We don't find that in like the fear, worry, or the stress of the future. It really comes from an intuitive place.
0: And I think a lot of it too is that it's a lot of work to do all this, right? Everyone just wants right. that quick fix. They just want that that sort of Band-Aid approach where it's like, I take this pill and I know that I'm healthy, or I do this one workout or this one thing and I know that this is what I need to do. And, and you know, that's just not the solution. It's never gonna be the solution. I think people need to understand that.
1: Right, right, we're we're seeing the Band-Aid approach in multiple different areas. And I can speak from my own personal story that, um, I am very good at using the bandaid model. So when I was modeling, it was like diet sodas, right? And it, it, you know, it was like I was drinking diet soda, but then taking wheatgrass shots. So it was like I was using, you know, caffeine, and then still my health. But it's still this Band-Aid approach, right? Because at some point, your adrenals are going to burn out. Some, at some point, you're going to burn out. So it was like almost this, like qu- these quick fixes. How to keep moving, how to keep going in the same momentum that you're going in so that you can reach something. But the problem, again, you can't buy your health back. It takes a very long time to heal, and your cells remember everything. So I always say, like, you're going to pay for it someday down the road. And, um, and another, you know, and, and then even now, what I'm recognizing even more is that as we move into this awareness of supplements and all of these different holistic treatments, a lot of times those are band-aid approaches as well. And my experience with this was I had breast implant illness. And basically, I, for those that don't know what it is, is you, I, I got breast implants put in 10 years ago and um, I developed a biofilm around the implants and I developed chronic inflammation. And I didn't know about breast implant illness at the time, but I was taking so, like literally, if you came to my house, you would have seen eighty supplements, not that I was taking them every day, but just basically these huge, huge a huge amount of supplements that I was just trying out in different protocols. I was going and getting ozone treatment, glutathione injections, um acupuncture, like I kept upping the amount of holistic treatments I was getting to keep my energy up so I could sustain my life. The problem and this is
0: with all that for the the, is the and
1: my that? illness, yeah, wow, so I was like, you know like. I'm going to solve this problem. The real (laughs) problem couldn't be solved because the implants are still inside me. And I was so committed to like covering the problem with even holistic health that I wasn't intuitively looking within and saying, holy shit, the problem can't be solved unless I go and have surgery, right? And until I get these out and I shouldn't be band-aid, I shouldn't be needing this many, you know, things to keep myself going because I eat clean and I move and I'm healthy and I drink filtered water and I do all everything else. I should not be needing all of these things, but I use them as a bandaid. So I think we have to be really careful when we think about like, okay, what is the baseline for our health? What does that look like? And then what am I doing to keep myself going? And if you're using supplements in a beautiful way to, because you, you can't get all the nutrients, that's one thing. But if you're using them because you're working 80 hours a week and you're avoiding getting sick, like <laughs> we kind of need to relook at our lives right and say, okay, like what is what is underneath? What is the motive behind these things that I'm doing? And for me, finally, like a functional medicine doctor said to me looked me in the eyes and said, I can keep giving you these treatments, but until you get your breast implants out, like you're you're not gonna get better and you know, I, I'm encouraging you to go do this. And like, just hearing that from her, I was like, yeah, that's my band-aid. Like I've been, you know, spending tens of thousands of dollars and it's not solving the problem.
0: It's crazy what our, our mind will do. I mean, the answer was there probably the whole time, but it was, you know, you wanted to have that that body image, you wanted to, you know, whatever it was. And so you just, you'll do everything else you can when it was, the answer was there the whole time, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so, how difficult was that of a decision because you had them removed? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that What was that like?
1: Yeah, it was one of the most emotional experiences of my entire life. and I think people don't you know, it's interesting. I've had so hundreds of messages of support, and then I've had a lot of people message me and say, "It's just your implants. It's not a big deal. <laughs>
0: but
1: the thing that people don't recognize is that when you do something to physically change your body, there is pain under that, right? Mm-hmm. So when I got my implants in, it was because I was attempting to save my modeling career because I couldn't stay a certain size for much longer. I was wanting to change the style of modeling that I was doing. Um, there was a lot of fear around losing you know, my income and my whole self-worth was around my body. And so I put these implants in. I was extremely angry when I found out about this breast implant illness because I did this to myself. I literally did this to myself, right? I basically gave my, it wasn't my genetics or something, I gave myself the sickness. And so there was this process that I had to go through of forgiving myself, forgiving the industry I was in, really looking at myself in the mirror and saying, will I be the same person before and after? Is my self worth the same? And even though I teach this, I still had fears. I had fears about how, you know my, my husband would feel. I had fears about like how I would feel in my body. Would I go back into this really deep, dark depression over how I looked, and I didn't know, you don't know, right? So you just get them out and you, you pray that that's not going to happen, but yet. Um, you just don't know. And I had to use it like all the tools in my toolkit, like affirmations and forgiveness <laughs> letters and rituals and ceremonies and like meditation to just get me through that month. And so if if you're going through anything like this, if your body's changing, I, you know, I so encourage you just to build that toolkit because without it, whether you're a man or female, or whatever, it's it's terrifying, right? To have your body changing not knowing how you're going to feel. And um, I think well, that, it's important.
0: That's the key right there, right, is, is building that toolbox, is, is understanding that we all get stressed, we all get anxiety, we all have issues with ourselves. And instead of letting that take over, it's use those tools, the things that you just mentioned, to, to overcome it and get out of it. And, and if you do that, you, you can overcome it. I think that's the big thing that people need to realize is that there are things that we can do Rather than just letting it take over ourselves
1: yeah we have to be we have to be very conscious and aware but also proactive we have to really say i'm going to do this for myself i am worth this and i think we're taking care of everyone else in our lives and we don't see the value or the. we we are a culture of Take care of everyone else, but don't be selfish. Don't take time for yourself. Self-care is not something moms should be doing, right? They should be (laughs) fending for everyone else and taking care of everyone else. Like we've really disconnected from that in our culture, which is so sad and heartbreaking. And I just give everyone on this listening like permission to take that. Take the self-care time. Take the time for yourself because without it, the minute that you go down, your life goes down and it's so hard to recover On the way back up but it's also very very possible like i look back to what even my life was five years ago and i'm like the profound change in my health and the ability for your body to really recover is is just amazing i think like if everyone had to take a science class on what is happening in our body all the millions of chemical reactions and how it just keeps us alive and moving i just don't think we would put junk in our Bodies, like if, I completely if people really agree. Understood, they it, understood
0: it from a like from, that, lo- from what that high level, the,
1: what <laughs> that packaged food is doing on a cellular level, what it's doing to your microbiome, what it's doing to your cognitive health, what it's doing to your future health, we just you just want it. Like we might have a glass of wine, we might have a cake on our birthday, but we just wouldn't be eating this junk and putting this stuff in our bodies because we would know what it's actually doing to the one thing that is carrying us through our lives. Yeah.
0: One of the things you said previously was that our cells always remember, and that that kind of stuck with me. Can you explain that a little bit further? What that means?
1: Yeah, so it's it's really the energetics, right? And there is this idea that cellular turnover, but I just believe that we have we store emotions in our body, and I've been doing a lot of work recently on releasing emotions and releasing stored memory. Um, And basically whether that's trauma, whatever experiences are happening, they're being imprinted into our bodies. And so I think we have to be very, very careful about who we're around. There's this idea of like, (laughs) I was listening to this lecture about that our brains actually change based on other brains in the same room. So we pick up little cues and we, we'll just pick up habits and traits and things. And so we're actually just being impacted by our environment. And so I always say like what you surround yourself with, who you're around, what like, I don't even have a TV in my home because I just don't want that energy impacting me on a cellular level. I don't want that fear, that stress physically impacting me because it is right. Um, From the emotional side, the mental side, the spiritual side and the physical side. And so I hope that answers your question in it does. a does, it way. Does. Yeah, I know it's very—it's a very complex subject. I definitely recommend diving deep into it if you're interested. Um, I've been reading—been reading *Becoming Supernatural*. There's so many amazing books on just um, the deception of the, *The Great Pain Deception* is another incredible book um, that just talks about these—you know—how trauma ends up manifesting as autoimmune it's really powerful to just know how these, these experiences impact our health down the road.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that, you know, that it's funny, cause I did a, a, a post just today on the mind body connection. So it's, you know, you're talking literally about everything that I, I was writing about and, and saying is that, you know, whatever you think and, and feel and all that can affect you mm-hmm. physically and, and vice versa. So I think that that, um, That to me is just such a cool thing, a cool feature of of a human.
1: (laughs) It is. Everything
0: is so complex, but so interconnected.
1: Yeah, and it's more than our thoughts. So I always thought it was my thoughts. So I thought if I just keep my thoughts positive, I'm going to be fine. And then I learned that it's really your feelings. So we really need to embrace this idea of like, how are we feeling in our body? Because our thoughts come and go, and we can recognize Mm -hmm. them. And sometimes I think we feel guilt and shame around that but what are you, what is the feeling that you're chasing? And if you're not feeling good in your body in a certain environment or with food movement, I I even say like, don't do movement that doesn't feel good in your body. Like it's just not worth it because it's not processing as something your body's enjoying and actually making your body healthier. It's actually making it worse because on a cellular level, you're resenting doing it. Mm. So I always say like, sit with yourself. How do you feel? stepping into that workout class how do you feel stepping into that dance class how do you feel sitting and eating you know this plate of food and the feeling is is what actually you're chasing not the you know it it gets a little tricky because we think oh if we think good thoughts well it's a little bit more than that it's your emotions it's how you're how you're actually feeling in the um yeah, in the space. or, yeah, or what
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Now you've created a, a lot of programs to, to help people change their lives, uh, to change their feelings, to change their health. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share sort of what, what you've done or what it is that you do um, yeah. to help those that are looking?
1: Yeah, I would love to. So, you know, as we discussed before, I used to teach a lot about nutrition. And what I found so often was that clients were going from one health coach to the next, to the next, to the next. And, the next. and I, w- I kept, you know, thinking about why is this happening? And then I ended up interviewing women from all over the world and wanting to really get a baseline of like, why is it that these programs are not sticking? And mm-hmm. what I found is that is when we approach our health from a physical aspect, it's not sustainable. When we approach it from, I want to feel good. I want to be energized, a vitality. I'm doing this for a certain reason. Why do I want to be alive? it's much more sustainable. right? And that comes from doing the emotional, mental work. It comes from doing the subconscious work. It comes from looking at the patterns and the habits and the stories we've been told our whole life and creating very simple mind shifts around those and reframing those so that, again, what you're putting in place is sustainable. Like I can go into your house and revamp your entire fridge and get everything you need to basically help empower you Mm -hmm. to live a healthy life. But if your mindset is still set on hey i hate my job and i'm i feel crazy after work and i'm so frustrated you're still going to stop at that fast food place because you feel like you deserve it because you were uncreative and and, and you didn't feel in, inspiring at work right yeah. so th- those are the stories that i see all day long every day where i just got in a fight with my husband and now i'm going to emotionally eat at night well how about let's work with a relation coach instead and sometimes it's not about even doing the work with me it's doing the work in the area that needs fulfilling, so the career, the relationship, and so forth. And so I designed a program that basically helps look at all areas of your life and slimming down those different areas so that not just that the weight comes off, a lot of times you don't need to lose weight. You know, A lot of times people don't lose weight and they just feel feel good in their bodies, and that's my goal. Weight or no weight loss, it doesn't matter as long as you're feeling really, really good in Mm -hmm. your body and you wake up every day with self-esteem and self-worth. and so between, you know, private coaching and my eight week Meditate Slim program, um, my new book, like those, you know, that's really what I'm talking about is how, how do we shift that mindset from, I want to learn about nutrition first to why do, why do I want to change my diet? Like, what is it behind that? And I also think, you know, I was talking to Robin Euculus today, she was over and we were talking about that weight loss can be a spiritual thing. You can be spiritual and want to lose weight. And it, it's all encompassing there. You know, it's a really beautiful thing when you can say, wow, I've done the spiritual work, the self-development, and now I'm willing to lose the weight. Yeah. Most of the time, it's not the reverse and people think it's the reverse.
0: Yeah. You want to start with the mind first. It's a powerful, yeah. very powerful thing. Now, if someone wanted to, I have one more question after this, but before, yeah. we, before we do that, uh, if someone wants to find you on the internet or, or wherever it is that they, they can find you, where should they go?
1: So my website is Sarah, S-A-R-A-H-A-N-N-E, Stewart, dot com. So Um, and that's my Instagram as well, and you can DM me if you have any questions about anything we discuss. I could literally talk about this all day long, and I'm like, have to slow down. How, <laughs> you know, I get so excited.
0: <laughs> I love it, and I'll make sure to put all of that on the show notes so that it's just one click away. You don't have to type it all in. Uh, just to make life easier, because that's what we do in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, I have one last question. I'm actually excited for for your answer. Um, so, this is something that I ask all the guests that come on the show, although I haven't done it for the past couple because I've forgot. <laughs> but <laughs> so, knowing everything that you currently know now, I mean, you've done years of schooling and, and years of practice in this in this area. Um, if you were to restart your health journey and start it all over again, forgetting everything that you, that you knew, what would be the one thing that you wish you knew at the very beginning? The one thing that you would tell yourself?
1: So I had to start all over. I would, when I was a teenager, I told myself I was too cool for meditating. And I literally threw all of that out the door. I I threw all the mindfulness practices my parents taught me and I threw all the meditation and I was just like, I'm I'm too cool for this. None of these other kids are meditating. I don't need this. And I really pushed against what my parents taught me in an interesting way, right? And I think that's what I would have told myself. I was a teen. I would have been like, "You're not too cool. Just continue." Because if I would have continued, here's what I think would have been different: is I didn't go into modeling because I wanted to be a model. I went into modeling because there was part of me that was lacking self-love and I wanted to be validated from a very, you know, uh, just on, my, on a deeper level, I wanted to be validated. And so when someone said, oh, you could be a model, I was like, this is validation. And so for 10 years, I was seeking it, always falling short of it, um, always living in this place of guilt and shame, because it was something that I had to heal in myself. And looking back, I think had I had the meditation, the mindfulness, one, I don't think I would have stayed in the modeling industry as long as I did. and two. I think I would have recognized much earlier on that the pain was coming from my relationship with my biological mom more so than the industry and blaming the industry wasn't the way to go so it actually goes down even deeper and I think that's you know that's the key is like where is the story coming from and how do you heal that? And and how do you change your life? And um, yeah, so I would have told my, teen, my my teenage self, like, don't quit. Don't do it. <laughs> You're not too cool. You no know?
0: one's too cool to meditate No on
1: one's that. too cool. So um, yeah, so I think that's that's definitely what it would have been.
0: Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for for sharing your story and sharing this, this information. Um, I think it's super important. I think a lot of people... Want to learn about the nutritional aspect, but then you know they leave out the the mindfulness and and just what the, the power of the mind. So mm-hmm. for you to to talk about that and and you know to kind of take a lead in that that area, I think is super cool. Um, so thank you so much for for what you're doing, um, and thank you again for for coming on here and sharing that.
1: So grateful for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.
0: Okay, Sarah, well, you have a a wonderful night and everybody, if you're listening, uh, make sure to follow her on Instagram and check out her website. She has a lot of really cool information on there. Um, Again, Sarah, have a wonderful night. Yeah, you too. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hell Simple Show. More importantly, I hope you learned something from it. If you did, leave me a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me.